Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the latest episode of the Stargate Archives, in which we, and by we I mean me, discuss the Stargate SG-1 episode, Politics. And I'm on my own because why would you subject anyone else to this clip show? Granted, Stargate did tend to do clip shows better than most, but not this one. Right, this episode was written by Brad Wright and directed by Martin Wood. First aired in America, February the 27th, 1998, and we got to see it in the UK, August the 19th of the same year. So, without any further ado, let's jump straight in. Are you ready, Tilk? Indeed. Great. Then let's go. The episode opens up with the MGM line and then cuts to a shot of Cheyenne Mountain, and inside the infirmary where Daniel's getting his wound treated. If you remember, there but for the grace of God, he got shot by Tilk with a staff weapon. Not a bad shot, Tilk. Well done. Thank you. The rest of SG-1 are there. Daniel's got that scrap of paper with the gate address on. Tilk is sceptical, to say the least. But Daniel is in full throw. Full, full throw. Full throw. Full flow. There we go. Full throw. Oh, sod it. <laughs> Jack takes this opportunity to Wizard of Oz reference. Daniel takes exception to it. Yes, you were there. <laughs> and you died. And you did. And you did. And, well, everybody did except me. So, <laughs> a pretty good day trip for Daniel. It's quite amusing how, well, sceptical again the rest of the SG-1 are, given how much they've experienced over this last year. Jack and Sam certainly uh, <laughs> take a pause when they learn that they were engaged. And it was a clever idea to have the characters address the whole issue of, well, there's no guarantee what happened there is going to happen here. As Daniel points out, the death of Ra occurred in both realities, and Tilt points out that, yes, the gold would retaliate. That is a constant. Nice to Tilk. Indeed. The threat of Earth's annihilation to one side, Jack is still puzzled or confused over the idea that is engaged with Sam. <laughs> Sam claims it is possible, Jack takes it totally the wrong way. In walks General Hammond with... Lieutenant Colonel Bert Samuels in tow, played by Robert Wisden. Got promotion, the lad has, and obviously very happy about it, and rubbing the noses in it a little. He's here for a, a debriefing, an investigation, a committee with a Senator Robert Kinsey, who we haven't met yet, but brace yourself. <laughs> One hell of a character. Wouldn't you say so, Tilk? That is obvious. We return from the credits again to shots of Cheyenne Mountain and inside the general's office where he's on the phone to the president fighting the good fight. So obviously Kinsey is not acting on behalf of the president or at least not doing the president's work for him. It's a bit worrying. Wouldn't you say so, Tilk? Undomesticated equines could not remove me. We learn that Dog 8 program is labelled as Area 52 with an operational budget of $7.4 billion. Chump change these days, unfortunately. Jack tries to put a bit of levity into the conversation with the general. <laughs> the general is, this is what I look like when I'm not laughing. 
uh, Jack finally gets the idea that nothing isn't going to work. This is a senator who's out for blood. We cut to an outside shot, a number of cars are driving into the mountain. And you can always tell a show's vintage by the make and model of the cars that are being used. And in the briefing room, Jack is all doled up in his nice, crisp, clean uniform. Tilt points out that he's more calm when he's in battle. And Jack, totally understandable, he knows what to expect in a battle. Dealing with politicians, that's a murky field at best. What would the Jeff R do with politicians, Tilt? <laughs> Thought so. The senator comes down the spiral staircase, played by Ronnie Cox, excellent actor. 11 appearances on Stargate. You'll have seen him in Robocop, Total Recall, Beverly Hills Cop. He's also a very talented musician. A little banter with Jack, and then a few derogatory remarks about the Stargate. So, yeah, this is going to be fun. We learn quite quickly that Kinsey is a smooth talker. He makes it known that he never served in the military, through illness, of course. But he equates service in the political arena in the same breath as serving in the armed forces. Not quite the same. And there's certainly his idea that secrecy and obviously national secrets. Now, I'm sorry, but his argument doesn't make sense. There are some things that do have to be kept secret from your enemies and by extension, often by from your own public. That is the way of the military and the intelligence services. Using that as an excuse to go against a military project doesn't really make much sense. Although we quickly learn that Samuels, of course, is also colouring the picture a little. The next few minutes we get a banter back and forth. The centre is laying out his mythological belief in... No, no, that's not fair. He doesn't believe in the myths, but he's using them not just to demonstrate a point, but I honestly do think he, that there is more than just a metaphor involved. And the conversation between Jack and the same gets rather more heated. Kinsey seems to be somebody who doesn't like huge military expenditure, doesn't believe it's been necessary. He says the Cold War's over. Of course, the Cold War finished because Russia tried to keep up with America, and it couldn't. You know, so kind of keeping big military worked in that case. He didn't even have to use it. Obviously, we learn a little bit more about Kinsey later on. But then Daniel jumps in with the, uh, oh, yeah, forget the gate, they're coming in ships. And, oh, dear, things start to go wrong big time. This is also where we get Kinsey saying that, oh, no matter who comes a call in, the United States military will take care of them. Seriously. Aliens with interstellar travel are not going to be cowed by jet fighters and 22-inch <laughs> battleship guns. It's just not going to happen. Hey, Daniel kind of throws a bucket of water on him when <laughs> he goes to Independence Day. Let's just upload a virus. Nice one. The trap then begins to close when the senator brings up SG-1's record. Jack quite willing to defend it, and the senator's ready for him. A few hours have passed. External shot, the Shine Mountain. Darkness has fallen, the lights are on. Briefcases come out, mission reports are opened up, and the first clip begins with a few scenes from Children of the Gods. It seems that the senator is using the events on Chulak as proof that the Gold are not that much of a threat. How else could SG-1 have escaped so easily? It wasn't easy, was it, Tilk? On Chulak, when a great warrior retires from the field of battle, it is customary to sing a song of lament. Fortunately, we are not on Chulak. 
and at this point SG2 returned through the gate. Senator Kinsey is unimpressed. He's even less impressed by the antics of SG1 from the episode The Knox. To be honest, uh, admitting the fact that one of your traps led to the death of your entire team and you're only alive thanks to the benevolence of an alien race isn't the best advertisement for your capabilities. But credit, they pull a clip from the movie. Raw ship descending to the Great Pyramid. Whole higher level of CGI effects. Not really in the realm of the TV budget. At least not then. And we then get a clip of uh, Jack and Tilk running away yet again from the episode Singularity. Yeah, you look real good in that, Tilk. I do not wish to disappoint, Major Carter. Sam throws uh, two cents in, bringing up the mission from Cold Lazarus, where the gold basically executed the uh, native population. I don't think Senator Kinsey regards the blue crystalline creatures as worthy of the title, but there you go. We finally get a real response from Tilk when the senator questions why Tilk actually left the gold if they were that powerful in the first place. Tilk points out that he values freedom, the same freedom that the people of Earth have. Senator Kinsey is unfortunately very indifferent to this. If you want your freedom, that's your problem. That's not the attitude that classic America has been living by these past few decades. You protect yourself, make people free around the world. And of course, Tilt points out that as the most powerful military nation on Earth at the moment, the world will target them first. Don't know if it's Tilt's attitude, his forcefulness, his determination that kind of quietens Kinsey down. But he takes a step back and walks back to his chair and sits down. I don't know if he's just regrouping, passes it on to Samuels to do the dirty work. And we get a clip from the enemy within Charles Kowalski's attempts to destroy the base. Rest in peace, Kowalski. But of course, the senator pays lip service to the man's courage, but kind of passes it over. I'm sure the mission report indicated how close him and Jack were, but that's not important to Kinsey. The senator does have a point. Stargate Command has played fast and loose this first year of operation. A lot of things could have gone seriously wrong. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Till? The war with Canada. And one of the great examples of this is the Broca Divide, with the great scene with General Hammond telling the president that if anybody should leave the mountain, they should be shot on sight. Obviously, if you locked down the mountain, you'd hope they couldn't leave the mountain, but there you go. Funny enough, you can close those big main doors, but there's always that ladder that seems to lead out someplace on the mountainside. Say what you like about the Broca Divide. It was a good episode for Janet Fraser, played by Terrell Roffrey, one of the more beloved characters and actresses on the show. I'm sure Kinsey wouldn't like her, though. You like her, don't you, Tilk? You died well in that meal. Kinsey is quick to counter over the fact that Jack nearly died on another mission. It was from Brief Candle where he got infected with the little nanites, which aged him rapidly. One night of uh, whoopee, and that was it. <laughs> they point out that they're learning their lessons, but unfortunately, there's always the unknown out there. There's always something waiting to bite you in the backside. You just hope that Stargate Commander ready for it. As Kinsey says, they're like reckless children playing with fire, and he's not wrong. Hopefully, the reckless children with textbooks playing with fire, with extinguishers on hand. 
Unfortunately, this is all welling up to the point where the fact that the gate is operational, there are things out there and you've got to be ready for them. And closing the gate is not going to make them go away. It's at this point Kinsey pretty much puts a line under his decision. He's going to shut the Stargate down, gathers up his briefcase, kind of leaves the confidential reports just sitting there. Him and his toady Samuel start to walk out. That's when Daniel decides to pop up and reveal everything about his little mission to the other reality. And well, that doesn't go well, does it? Everyone might wish to speculate. To be honest, this is a very good scene between Kinsey and Daniel. Both the actors are performing very well. It's good dialogue. It's impassioned. It's really building up to something. I love the point where Kinsey basically, he loses it, not in anger, but just exasperation. He's probably seen many underlings and many vested interest parties looking for his support for various projects. Aliens coming along in ships to destroy him in a few days, a few weeks, beyond what he believed. I have read of a place where humans do battle in a ring of jello. Of course, this is when we... I think it's very easy to believe that Kinsey is a Republican. Very definite religious slant to his beliefs, his proclamation that they are one country under God and God will protect them, is, you can believe that, but that still doesn't stop you from having a good, strong military ready to defend the planet. Pray, but carry a big stick. Unfortunately, it's this where you really just shake your head at Kinsey and you think, he's an idiot. He really is. And then you get Toady Samuels. Credit to the general for the restraint he showed by not having him shot on the spot. What would you have done, Dilk? You are all part of a simulation designed to test the SGC's preparedness in case of gate breach. Of you are real. We stay in the briefing room and get a nice, quiet, contemplative scene as Tilt looks out on the gate and announces that if this world isn't going to protect itself and lead the fight, then he must return to Chulak. Jack says he's going to come with him. Nothing here for him anymore. Of course, this leads up to the whole of SG-1 going on one last trip. Of course, Hammond has his orders. He's been told to shut all gate operations down after the two remaining teams come back. He's not going to disobey those orders, so anything that SG-1 wants to do, they're going to have to do it under his nose. It makes you wonder if he knows them well enough to understand that if he stays out of their way, he can turn a blind eye to pretty much anything. The episode ends with a slow pan up from the Stargate towards the briefing room, which is situated above the gate room. Daniel, Sam, Tilk and Jack standing, looking out at the Stargate as the music plays in the background. And a 2B continued. And that is politics. It's not the worst clip show I've seen on television. It's by far one of the worst of Stargate, even with Ronnie Cox chewing up the scenery like nobody's business. Can look forward to more Senator Robert Kinsey. Robert Kinsey, anyway. <laughs> That's for another episode. As we all know, or maybe not, many television shows have a set budget for their whole season. The producers are free to use that budget wherever they feel the need it to be, either to bring in a higher value guest star or build a new set. On shows which rely on CGI, then a good portion of the budget is targeted at the pretty pictures. And over the years, the Stargate producers have got very good at offering a low priced episode to the viewers with the intent to reward us later with an episode with all the bells and whistles. In the first season of SG-1, the episode Politics has the infamy of being the short-changed episode to allow for an extravagant season finale. 
and even with a high-end guest star in Ronnie Cox, it shows how much money can be saved by creating a clip show based episode. The usual bottle episode, i.e. using existing casts and sets with minimal extras and location shoots, continue to be surprisingly good thanks to the creativity of the writers and producers of the show. But there is little you can do with a clip show, which again proves the point that Stargate still can produce these to a high standard. All credit to Ronnie Cox for his portrayal of Senator Robert Kinsey. Yes, he chewed the scenery, but that is what was required. And he did have some, well, his character had some very valid points. But the grey area the SGC operates in, as we know, is proven to be the best of a bad situation. At this stage, the world is not ready to know for sure. We are just one world in a cosmos of worlds. Know that we are not the dominant creation in the universe. We as viewers also understand that the gold are a threat, and alas we see ignorance and arrogance in our leaders and politicians on all subjects. Vested interest and dogma often prevent realities from being recognised. Overall politics was not a great episode, but it served its purpose, and given a strong finish of the season, I think it does little to dampen the overall reputation of Season 1 of Stargate SG-1. Okay then, thank you very much for listening to me as I discuss politics. If you want to get in touch with us, I'd love to hear from you. Stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Google+. On Twitter, we are at the Gatecast, which is one word. If you want to be on the podcast, we are going to be shortly doing pretty much random episodes. So if you've got a favourite episode, get in touch. We'll spend an hour discussing it, put that onto the podcast. Next week, within the Serpent's Grasp, as the Stu One defy their orders and go on a suicide mission to save the world. What more do you expect from them? Indeed. Until then, I've been Mike. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>